Welcome back to I Love That For You, the podcast celebrating the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life. I'm Kelly. And I'm Red. And I want to make it a resolution of yours, dear listeners, to do a good deed today. Red, do you know what that means? I think you do. Oh, I think I'm aware. <laughs> Repeat after me, Red. Rate, review, Rate, review, subscribe. subscribe, and follow our new Facebook page. I love that for you podcast. Like it's 2009 again. Come on, you know you want to join the fun. You keep making that joke. You're so funny about that. It's like, true. Listen, there are older people who are on there who are just figuring it out. So join us over there for the fun. And also, we would love you to email us with wins of yours of your friends. We'll read them on the pod we'll give you a shout out so talk to us we love you and that's all i'm gonna say up top okay (laughs) so red how was your new year's in toronto that was so fun actually like i said i'm not someone who shies away from just going out by myself so that night I basically was on my own and I ordered in some food beforehand and then I took the tea down to the harbor front, which is where they were setting off the fireworks. And it was pretty foggy, but down at the water, it was actually really nice and we were able to see it and it was really cool. And it was wild how, okay, it was crowded, but like there was room to walk around. Like everybody made room for each other. Nobody was shoving. I'm so uh. used to New York. Oh, it got to a point on the streetcar where everybody was packed in. The funny thing was everybody was just so the way they handled it. I'm so used to New York where it's like, hey, fuck off. Yeah. They were like, hey, buddy, there's no room on this. Uh, You'll have to wait for the next one. Oh, are you sure? Uh, Yeah, it looks like we can't really move. And they're like, oh, this sucks. Oh, it's so crowded. And I was like, that's it. No confrontation, yeah. no no punching, no drunken fights in an alley. That's like, right. like so maybe civilized. I was just on the right train because maybe that did happen elsewhere. Right. I don't know. But yeah. this felt very chill and Oh, also, like, I had, like, there was this girl who was with, like, a group of girlfriends, and they were all dressed up really, like, fabulous. She was in, like, this leopard kind of old school style, and we happened to get off at the same stop, but they went in a different direction. But before we left, she came up to me. She was like, I just want to let you know, I love your look. Don't change a thing. This is fabulous. <laughs> and she was like, have a good night. Happy New Year. And she walked away, and I was just like, Aww. how are people this? Again, I'm waiting for the real, you know, okay, Shoot where is drop. the real side coming out, you know, where- right. Right. I'm sure other Canadians are listening to this going, what are you talking about? Yeah, they're like out of the honeymoon phase and they're like, right. you, you don't know the Toronto that I know. You always look good when you go out. You showed me and you looked adorable. Oh, it was well, so cute. You. I love that you it was go just all for out. Me. Yeah. I did not kiss anybody. I was going to say, that's a shame because it was a waste of a look. But no, it wasn't because it was your first no, time. I you came had an home amazing and night. it wasn't... It wasn't smudged. <laughs> it sounded like yes. an amazing night. I was just so happy for you. It looks so fun. What about you? What oh, you, you know what doing? I did or didn't do. I mean, I mean I know, but... we went to Damon's, our favorite tiki bar with Bandit. And then we watched the East Coast feed of Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen. And Any they were... antics this year? Well, actually, at one point, it got really dark. Like, Anderson was like, yeah, you know, one of my resolutions this year is really just to, like, allow myself to grieve. And like Andy Cohen had no idea what oh. to do with 
that. And it was very honest and deep. And I don't know what's going on with Anderson Cooper, but Andy Cohen had no idea what to say. And he was like, okay, moving on. It was just so, such a weird moment. I was like cringing, but uh, I hope he's okay. I don't know what he's grieving, but I'm sorry, Anderson Cooper. I love you. But we, we watched that because as you know, we don't make it to midnight. But I will say, <laughs> uh, even though we went to bed at like 1030, it was basically like a war zone on my street at midnight. So I didn't even need to like wake up again because it woke me up. But Sean was out cold. So <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and Bandit. It was a, literally like they were outside my door. It was so loud. The fireworks, the firecrackers. But those two boys slept through it. So I just said Happy New Year to no one, basically. <laughs> and uh, well, went back to bed. I don't think I texted you because it was 3 a.m. Because there was one flaw, I will say, in that I showed you the car, the streetcar was empty when I got That there. was crazy, by the way. But then it stopped. Uh, it didn't go all the way to my stop. So it stopped. <gasps> oh, and then I'd I wait for another that. one. And that happened like three times. No. So, Were you on the wrong it, one? Or is that just a, no, a limited? It just, oh. it was doing, so basically they don't tell you when it's a limited one. They don't put it on the streetcar. They announce it on the thing when you're on there. Then <laughs> you look and you're looking for when the next one will be. And it's like 15 minutes. So it's like, all right, well, I'll ride this as far as I can. And then, no. you know. So that happened. So I actually didn't get in until 3 a.m., which sounds like I was having a crazy party, but actually I was just trying to get home. <laughs> oh my God. It took, wait, it took three hours for you to get home? No, no, no. Because remember, I was at the bar at 1 a.m. Oh, right, right, right. Like, How was two the hours. bar? I mean, it was surprisingly quiet. I ducked into like what looked like a dive. And because oh, that's more the best. Of my scene. I know. Yeah. But you were probably the so, most dressed up person there. <laughs> oh, I was. I definitely was. I definitely felt some eyes on me. In the U.S., you would have gotten hit on immediately walking through the door. How did nobody come up to you? Well, a lot of people were in groups or couples. Oh, okay. There's like a sense. couple guys by themselves, but yeah. Nobody I, interesting. <laughs> no, I kind of kept myself at one side of Got the bar. It. Just because at that point, I just was enjoying being by myself I have fun with myself I respect that so much I could never do that I don't think I've ever even gone to the movies alone and the fact that you take yourself out on these dates red I think is so admirable like I've said oh, and, it's so and for fun. New Year's too like without being self-conscious I oh I still get self-conscious about really it, a little bit yeah I mean but the thing is I'm not going to let something like that hold me back. I get nervous going to things by myself and so not knowing bold. really what to expect. But if I don't do it, then I'm going to be sitting at home kicking myself. Right. And never really exploring and seeing a city. Not going to miss out on that just because I'm like, it could be awkward. It could be scary. And especially, I mean, we talked about this a little. I get nervous in crowds. What yep. can happen in a crowded place? And I mean, thankfully, I haven't firsthand experienced that knock on wood yeah um, knock on wood. <laughs> but it's just one of those things that now you're just really hyper aware and you're looking around and that's why it throws me off even more when people are just not aggressive right not, <laughs> that like, we're trained I, to think like, that that's I, I the just, norm and again because toronto is such a big city that oh, yeah. it's the most populated city in canada so I'm constantly like, you know, and having lived in New York and L.A. and Boston, like you just have to be aware of these things, not only just for the violence, but also as a woman. You yeah, have to. Especially as a woman. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's why it's just so weird to me when it's like this is going well. 
what's wrong here? I know. When is the other (laughs) shoe going to drop? But I don't think it will, Red. I think this is where you're meant to be. I mean, it's funny. I was talking with my aunt when I was hanging out with them, just saying like, you know, and once I'm done with school, then I'll have to decide, you know, Canada or the U.S. She's like, oh, you're going to stay in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I would. I would never come back if I were you. Hands down. But also, you know, uh, some of my resolutions are just to, or goals for this year to come back and visit. So it's not that I'm going to be a total stranger to the U.S. It's just whether or not I want to be a resident because I'm a citizen either way. It's right. Just... That's a question I had for you, even though we're as we're recording this only three days into the new year. <laughs> but how are your resolutions doing? Have you done spin? Have you done yoga? Have you you've written a substack? So yep. you're already on track. On but track. January 1st, everything changes <laughs> as the calendar yeah. flips. And that's the other thing. Reminder to the listeners that you do not have to if you want to make a change for yourself, you don't have to wait for something like no, God, a no. birthday or New Year's or something like that, where it's right. like, this is the day. You can just literally be like, well, it's a why. Tuesday. <laughs> Listen, yeah. if you feel ready to make a change, or even if you don't feel ready, but just are like, you know, I got to make the motion, I am giving you full permission and yes. everything. This is the day because uh, yeah. the girls on... I love that for you said that today is the day to make today a change and I'm going to do it. There you go. So, Red, as we speak, there's still time left on the poll, but it looks like your 24th goal is going to be learning sign language. It's at 67% yeah. right now. Apparently, nobody wants you to jog a 5K, and a lot of people have put Thank other, God. but then they don't DM us the idea. So, with 67%, I'm going to say start learning sign language is your far and away winner. I think that's such a great goal, and not enough people yeah, know it. Yeah, and it's not like I need to be fluent in a year. I know no, that takes no, no, time. No. But just to start learning and having some basic understandings and also it'd be great where if I run into a situation like I talked about on the episode, I How, can help like, out in a situation How amazing like would that. that have been? Like you could walk away knowing that, yeah, she went to the right person and it would right. it was you. <laughs> so that'd be so cool. I'm so excited yeah. for you. Maybe I'll learn with you. Maybe that'll hey, be like a thing we could do hobby? on our Patreon. We can like do a little uh, sign language lesson. Or, <laughs> That'd be fun. Okay, let's learn some inappropriate signage. <laughs> <laughs> Red, I'm so glad we're we're going in 24 strong. We're hearing us roar. Kind of what you were saying earlier about exploring Toronto ties mm. to my person today. Ooh. And I chose a person because two of my goals this year are to be more successful in writing and to be bolder. Mm-hmm. And I think travel is very much tied to that. I always want to go somewhere new. I'm thinking Japan this year. I've never been there. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've been dying to go for like years. And Sean's friend lives there and we might go visit them. So this person I'm going to highlight is a person whose childhood freak accident would inspire her to go where few women had been to before. And I'm talking today about a late blooming trailblazer, if ever there were one that I don't think many people know about. So today I'm going to be talking about British adventurer, travel and memoir writer and explorer Freya Stark. Have you heard of her before? No. She's fascinating. I don't know how she hasn't become more well-known because she's a trailblazer and a late bloomer. And just to give you like the highlights, over her 100 years, she made it to 100 years and travels. She wrote 24 travel books, autobiographies, and eight volumes of letters. And her personal life is just as interesting, if not more, than her professional life. So here we go. 
She was born January 31st, 1893 in Paris, France to artistic parents who were first cousins. It was a different Uh, time, Red. Different time. I actually remember there was a certain, I don't know if it was this time period, but there was a time where it was like, oh, you... You have to marry a cousin. You can't marry outside of that. That's not proper. Oof. You have to have like royal Woof. blood in your like lineage or something. So that's just bad Thank genetically. God. And like that's already one thing against her. And and I don't know how she lived to a hundred. And you'll see all the times she should not have made it. But reportedly, her mom wasn't ready for her and was in denial for the whole pregnancy. She didn't even have uh. basic baby supplies. So fun, fun, fun. I imagine that her parents, though, were, because, again, unless they weren't married at the time, how does one prepare in the 18, you said 90s? Yeah, 1893. It's not like you could go to, like, a Toys R Us or, you know, something like that, or, like, Babies R Us and get ready. Like, how does one get prepared in those days? It's like, oh, put that extra coat of lead paint in the nursery. Yeah. She was just in denial about even being pregnant. I don't think it was planned, but thank God that well, it doesn't she sound had her. Good. What an interesting childhood she had because when she was two, her parents started wandering, carrying her and her baby sister, Vera, over the Alps in a basket. So this is already the sound of music. About <laughs> And given again yeah. the time period, it's like, uh, could they have run into some of our other? Oh, you'll see. But I'm pretty sure we've got some Inga Ginsburg overlap, and maybe my grandma, and maybe Julia Child. As All just child, hanging out together. To think, all four of these badasses just hanging out right? together somewhere in Europe during the war. Growing up as a child in Dartmoor, England, she slept in a bed her mom had painted with ships, so very romantic, planting the seeds there of travel and adventure, and they lived all over Europe and she spoke with an English accent even though German was her first language followed by French Mm. and Italian. So this life of childhood wandering though it wasn't as fun as it sounds. She and her sister Vera didn't really have any formal education. They read as much as they could. They studied with some governesses from time to time. You know she would later say her wandering life made her and her sister precocious and pretty tough. Mm. But here's where things start to come into focus and some formative things happen. When Freya was 10 years old, her mother left her father for a 23-year-old broke Italian count, Count Mario. That's an interesting sentence. He's a count and he's broke. But I guess a lot of rich assholes are broke, right? You know, her mom, Flora, she took the kids to Northern Italy and before her mom's money was cut off, the count bought a rug and basket factory. And so the four of them, Freya, Vera, Flora, and the count made a meager living off of that but now here comes our inciting incident red because just before her 13th birthday while visiting the factory freya got her knee length hair which is like very of the fashion in those days you know oh no Uh, i see where this you know what's coming so it got stuck in a steel wheel of mario's (gasps) new weaving machinery oh it spun her around and around by her hair it pulled her all the way up to the ceiling (gasps) and reportedly Count Mario, instead of, you know, turning the machine off, decided instead to yank her down by the legs to set her free. And in the process, he removed a good portion of her scalp, her entire right ear, and most of her right eyelid. 
So let's just This count sucks. Yeah. First of all, this woman, Freya's moving all over the country, all over Europe. She doesn't have a lot of stable men in her life. And now she's lost half of her face, basically. So she nearly died and horrible infections almost killed her. And doctors, thankfully, were able to save her with skin grafts that came from her thighs. But it was done, Red, entirely without anesthetic. Can you imagine? My head hurts just I, thinking just, about it. Oh just, God, God, I cringe. This was understandably. That's incredibly violent. Again, like 13 yeah. years old. Oh my yes. God. And to go through something like that. Like, no wonder this count is broke because clearly his decision making skills yeah. are lacking. You wow. would think Flora, you know, their mom would have run the other way because this guy is no good, but they they had no money. They had no choice. I mean, was she around. there when all this happened? Too? Yeah, everybody was there. Everybody was there. Oh. Yeah. Also, the witness this like like i'm imagining mm-hmm. vera too watching your sister yeah mm-hmm. just oh. spin around and lose half of her you know head basically and her yeah, ear well, to be thrown around like that Oof. because like if it's lifting her as high as the ceiling yeah i don't know how i don't either this building is but i don't well, think about that either. i don't know either yeah I, it, oof, it was very hard to learn this and understandably red freya's very self-conscious about the right side of her face she would of often go on to cover it with her hair wear large hats scarves and robes like if you look her up and we'll post it obviously on our instagram and facebook but you'll see that she's always you know often covered I don't blame her. I probably would have done the same thing, but she's always covering her right side and and wearing big hats and scarves and robes. Actually, funny story. When I was actually around the same age, I accidentally got poison ivy over half my face. Whoa. Um, And I literally was doing the same thing with my hair of just trying because it got to the point I had to go to the emergency room because I had to they had to try and stop. I was put on steroids to stop the spread of it um, because they were worried it was going to go into my eye like it was that (gasps) severe. Whoa. I think I do have a little bit of eye damage. One eye opens more than the other. And I remember trying to hide half my face. My brother's joke like we should get you like one of those Phantom of the Opera masks. (laughs) But yeah, because again, when you have something like when it's your face, like something that I think we take for granted because we're so especially our culture is so beauty oriented that when it's your face when you're trying to hide something like that it almost makes it like more obvious that something's wrong very poor granted, girl i know because also mine was not nearly as violent as all right. this uh, i got the poison ivy because i rubbed my face into my rabbit's fur oh wait your he rabbit went, had poison ivy and he had run into this these bushes that had poison ivy and it was on his fur how dare so you love I, your rabbit i know and i just like <laughs> rubbed my like half my face into him and he was still carrying the uh oh. there's still leaves and stuff on him and I just had rubbed all my face in that so this is not even as close to that level of violence Um, you know this forced down recovery time though to you know make it a positive it gave her time to explore new things and she started to read a bunch of adventure stories and she got fixated on the idea of travel again because while they had traveled a lot throughout you know her childhood they had stayed put in northern italy with the count for years now and she was so unhappy in northern italy 
And so four years have gone by at this point. Now she's 17 and there's some unsettling developments happen around here when Freya, Vera and Flora move in with the count and the count sets his sights on Freya and red he's in his late thirties and she's 17 and Freya tell me no Freya wisely sees this man is no good thank god and she calls thank him for god because also yes. like how could you like be like hmm you know the guy who like tried to rip me out of a machine yeah. and caused all this damage yeah I could see a future with him yeah I see a future with him and mind you uh. her mom was the one trying to seduce him like that was like originally her mom's boyfriend and in this will you'll see some interesting developments later with this guy he is no good mm-hmm. you'll see it happen soon but meanwhile Freya she sees this man's no good and she calls up her dad who was fairly checked out in her life at this point and he was living actually in Canada at the time and she oh, convinces hey. him oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> she convinces him to help send her to college in London. And you know what? It works. He does. And thank God. So she was so happy. She studied English literature and history, and she's loving her life for the first time in a while. But Good, she deserves it. If you're doing a little time count, it's not too long until World War One begins. Ooh. And she had to go back to Italy. Womp womp. And she became a nurse. So her education hopes were put on hold, unfortunately, just when she was happy again. And here's the interesting development. (sighs) I read it was around this time that Vera, who there's conflicting reports, she was either 15 or 18 at the time. Not that one's really that much better than the other because she married Mario instead. And guess what? Laura gave her consent because this way she still gets his inheritance and money yeah yeah so even the the younger sister so even the younger the, sister marries mm. mario again he kind of was involved with the mother yes and then he went through all three the of them daughter. or tried to yeah tried to and tried like, to uh-huh Ugh, and they were going the to have four kids but uh, you'll see like what this. happens later. You'll see what happens later. But four kids. So very weird when your stepfather becomes your brother-in-law slash Vera becomes her husband. Very weird. Very weird times. Just one unsettling thing after the next. And it just doesn't, you know, get any better from there. You know, yeah. after the war was over, Freya and her mom, Flora, they now live together in a house on the Italian Riviera, but they're barely scraping by. You know, Freya, she grows flowers to supplement income, but she was so bored, so isolated. You know, she mm-hmm. got into mountain climbing, though, scaling oh. the Alps. She started studying again. Things are on the up and up. Her teacher actually suggested she learn another language, Arabic. Oh. And this is because after World War One, the Ottoman Empire was broken up and the British and the French controlled much of the Middle East. And Freya smartly knew that large parts of the Arab-speaking world were going to be opened up to travelers, business folks. And she hoped that knowing Arabic would get her interesting work and lead her the hell out of Italy and into a new world of adventure because she was reading about it when she was recovering for years, reading all these adventure stories. So things are looking on the up and up and she takes her studies at the London School of Oriental Studies very seriously, learning these languages and even added Persian 
to her list of languages. So she knows like six languages at this point. No big deal. I barely know English. So good for you. And it wasn't until, unfortunately, 1926 when Vera, she dies from a miscarriage. Uh, Yeah, I know. Freya knew it was time for her to live her life and travel. You know, Freya had had her own broken engagement actually to an Italian doctor. And he actually left her when she got typhoid. So another time where she should have died. This this lovely Italian doctor left Freya. When she got typhoid. I mean, of anyone, they were engaged. shouldn't the doctor, doctor be able to... Be next to what? her? Exactly. He just ran wow. off, apparently, with some, like, singer, I heard, or actress, and was like, sorry, bye. Uh-huh. Well, okay, at least yep. she didn't marry the guy and find this out later. Yeah. You know? At least right. there's that. So that plus Vera dying, she's just sick of not having agency over her life, men constantly letting her down, her dad, who was very estranged from her, Mario, this doctor. So she has no commitment. She has nothing keeping her tied to her miserable life. So she's decided, fuck it. I'm going to go live the life I've been reading about when I was recovering. So she yes, does, Red. And I love she, this. she does it. She takes a cargo ship to Beirut, which has a strong French influence. She's welcomed by the locals by March of 1928. She's confident in her language skills and she travels to Damascus, which is the capital of Syria. And this was the first hmm. bubble popping, though, I will say, of this romantic idea of Arabia that she had. And now, talk about late bloomer she's 35 years old and she had oh, this dang. whole romantic idea that's of not Arabia. that old but it's not that old mean, like for that era but however. for her to like start her life essentially because she's can, kind of been stagnant not living the life she's wanted not really doing anything that she's proud of so she's 35 finally stepping out seeing the world and she had this romantic idea of arabia but when she arrives in damascus it's cold it's war-torn it's full of fleas and she got sick with dysentery so just poor honey like she just can't girl. catch a break sweetie to her credit i mean i shouldn't say girl yeah. again she's 30 woman so she's yes. like yeah. yes she's a woman but i gave she's her credit would have gone to school with it, so yes 100 percent. yeah so she she didn't let it stop damn. her yeah, she really? didn't want to stop her from exploring the ruins and wandering the city. She does. But Damascus was already a well-known city, and wandering around there wasn't exactly going to earn Freya, like, any cred or, like, make a name for herself as this great explorer like she was reading about. So she wanted to travel the places where she wasn't supposed to go, especially because men were the ones telling her not to, which I love, like... Love this rebellion. That's a big theme with her is rebellion and danger, and she lives for it. Hell the yeah. Fir- I love her. The first place that she does go to, it was south of Damascus. It's called the Mountain of the Druze, and it's owned by the Druze tribe, which is an Islamic sect in a region that had rebelled against French control, and the entire area was placed under martial law, and travelers were banned from visiting it. So she was definitely not supposed to be there. But that's what made her want to go. So Freya and this British friend who has the best name I've ever heard, Venetia Budicum. Budicum? Budicum? Oh. <laughs> Budicum. They snuck over the border on donkeys with the Druze guide Najam, which, by the way, they ran out of water. So I don't know how experienced this guide was. I think he was probably just like some some guy just looking to make a buck. They dodged the authorities as long as they could, but it didn't work. The French authorities thought that they were spies. 
trying to stir up a rebellion and oh, they sent them to the army barracks. I love this part. Freya played what? dumb, insisting she had gotten lost because her guidebook was out of date. And I love this quote. The great and almost only comfort about being a woman is that one can always pretend to be more stupid than one is and no one is surprised. <laughs> oh. Freya oh charmed God. her way out of there and got permission to travel again. And most importantly... She had the Druze street cred now that she was arrested by their enemies, the French. And she, a week earlier, wasn't allowed in and they were wary of her. And then a week later, she gets to meet the Druze spiritual leader, like the head honcho, without an escort. Without an escort, which is amazing. Amazing shift in attitude. All because she played dumb. All because she played dumb and got arrested. and, And really, they saw that she didn't have any ill intentions. And she knew the language. So she oh, wrote, she actually, too. yeah, she knew the language and she had good intentions. Um, and she, she actually wrote some articles about this trip and she started to make a little money travel writing. But her next trip was in April of 1930. She did a little stay over in Baghdad, which was British controlled, very diverse. She made a lot of friends there actually. And she lived in the red light district and it was the safest area, surprisingly, and very female centric. So yeah. when it's the red, so it's the same thing as like other red light districts. So that yeah. was more of like, oh, interesting. Yeah. And she it was very safe. She made a lot of female friends. And it was one of the nicest places she'd ever stayed. And it was cheap. She loved it. I just love that. And her Persian improved during that time. And that actually prepared her for the main purpose of her next trip, which was even cooler than the last one, which was to visit the El Boraz Mountains in Iran, which held the ruined fortress of the assassins, which was exactly what it sounds like. It's a murderous medieval sect which assassinated people. Yeah, she wanted to find this ruined fortress. I don't think they would call them assassins if they were like killing. I know, if they were. And that's where we get our name of assassins is from this, supposedly, which is so cool. Yes, uh, Wine and Crime talks about it, and but the way it's pronounced is like a shashan. Right. I wasn't going (laughs) to. I'm glad you did it. That's that's where it comes from. It's from this tribe. Yeah. In fairness, I'm only imitating the girls on Wine and Crime. I know. They got it wrong. I'm just saying. Right or wrong. If they got it wrong, it's not our fault. Not our fault. You were quoting them. (laughs) You were quoting them. Sorry, ladies. (laughs) And she, I love it. She set out with mules and all of two pounds to her name. And over the course of two years, she hitchhiked her way through the area with a young doctor whose family ironically owned the land that the fortress was buried on. So how convenient, Red. (laughs) You would think she would have all these hardships to getting there and hitchhiking her way through but she just happens to run into this young doctor who had the right access <laughs> and he basically gives her a tour of it and she along the way updates the maps of the area and she popularizes the area in her travel writings and she especially becomes very well known for her depiction of women's lives because she was the first european lady that many of these middle eastern women had ever met You know, she would make friends. She would learn about their customs and through that gain access to the men's world. So she got very ingratiated in each society she went to. And these were very like full portraits of this culture that she would write about. And it was a two year trip. And after she became seen as a Middle East expert back home and the map that she had made of her trip documenting the area won her an award and a fellowship from the Royal Geographic Society. And they began funding future trips 
of hers. Thank God, because wow, it, well, yeah, that not was going to get crazy real fast. Yeah, so thank God she's now has people funding her, you know, awesome adventures. And That's so, amazing. In, yeah, in 1933, she writes her first book, The Valley of the Ashashans, and <laughs> this was the first of 24 books she would write in her career. Uh, overachiever, much I wrote. Yeah, no um, and. <laughs> Uh, in 1934, she wants her next trip to be much less about mapping and more about discovery. And she wants mm. to find this ancient trading spot believed to be the origin of the frankincense trade route called Shabwa. And at any time, any explorer in the Middle East wants to find the city of Shabwa, which is in Yemen, which was the ancient city believed to be buried and rumored to be the capital of the Queen of Sheba. And this area was supposedly buried in a harsh desert land that was contested over between two tribes. It's very dangerous. She would have to cross into independently controlled northern Yemen where foreigners were not welcome. But as we know, that never stops her. And she gets Mm -mm. a very decent way towards this ancient city before she catches measles from a child in a harem and then she catches malaria Mm -hmm. so another time where she should have died red and then she made the fatal mistake of mixing medications so she mixes (gasps) malaria medicine with dysentery she had heart problems and then she ultimately had to be airlifted out and evacuated by the royal air force Oh yeah. my god. I know. I know. And so while she's in the hospital, a German photographer actually finds the fortress ruins and gives her credit, but she didn't discover them herself, which she was very heartbroken oh. over. Well, I that know. was at least she got the credit cuz obviously like they worked on this together cuz yes. who so she's not quite traveling by herself, right? She has right. other people with her. She has other people, but she's the first woman to go to right. many of these places and she was the first European woman that many people would run into it was very nothing right because it's not like nowadays where like you know it's still a little scary to do solo female travel but oh big time like i can't even imagine more than a century ago no or well this is 1930 something so it's yeah we're in the 30s yeah okay so still like again almost a century ago traveling as a woman and again it's not like you can text somebody hey by the way i'm here (laughs) yeah yeah right you know (laughs) you're on a a camel a donkey in a desert with two pounds and no water (laughs) like you you might get detained at any moment by the way let me just also stop by the doctors real quick because yeah uh, yeah. (laughs) i have malaria dysentery and oh yeah i have a woman i can't (laughs) measles it's it's so funny because she seems so juxtaposed between Having the greatest adventures and the worst. The worst. Adventures. And no one has ever heard of her. Like, it's crazy what this woman goes through. And we I'm never, kidding. she's not in any history books, really. So now we're around World War II. And she's recruited by the Ministry of Information, which is where I think she probably overlaps with all of our other badass women I mentioned earlier. We mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. And she was posted in Odin as the South Arabia expert. And she was paid 600 quid yearly, which is 758 US dollars. So don't spend it all in one place. Her goal here was to keep Yemen, Cairo, Baghdad, all of them pro-British or pro-allies, or at least keep them neutral. So she's essentially a PR woman, you know, pro British propaganda, battling the Nazi propaganda. She's disseminating news through, you know, she's translating the writer's news feeds. She's arranging exhibitions. And some other highlights at this time. 
she convinced Yemen to remain neutral, which was amazing that she did that. She secured intel that led to the sinking of two Italian submarines. Now, before you scratch your head, they were actually with the Germans at the start of the war before Mussolini died. This was actually good. She oh, no, did I'm that. not saying that. I'm oh, but saying, some people will be know? like, wait, aren't they on the Allies side? Not originally. They weren't. No, I mean, I was guessing from that time period, Mussolini was involved, but also... Yes. I'm like, how did she know about the subs? Um. I know. And who, and the fact that they had subs, who knew? Like, that's crazy. Right. So maybe she and Julia Child were in cahoots and they were talking. They were actually <laughs> messaging each other. There they must have been. messaging, but They basically... must have been. Because she was in India or around there. So they must have crossed paths. I'm going to pretend they did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just didn't see any pictures because she yeah. kept tripping and like getting sick during them. And she yeah, was like, no, yeah, yeah. Julia, don't take my photo. Not now. <laughs> Another highlight is in Cairo in Iraq, she actually founds the anti-Nazi Brotherhood of Freedom. But she, unfortunately, she comes to Tehran and back to Baghdad and she's arrested by the police and she talks her way out of it. But unfortunately, there was a Nazi coup in 1941 and she was cramped inside the embassy for a whole year due to that nazi siege in baghdad so that sucked she was stuck in the embassy for a year due to that i mean she's also someone who's probably uh, like as much as all that stuff that's happened to her is awful she's probably one of the most well adapted to be like oh i have to be stuck in a place yeah stay put for a little while (laughs) right this sounds familiar (laughs) yeah this is nothing after all i've been through this is just a little blip like whatever i get to stay at the embassy some count's place where he's trying to hit on me hit on me and uh or in a desert (laughs) with no water uh with dysentery yeah right this is probably nice for her so after a year, she heads out and she buys a lot of new hats and clothes to make herself feel better, which I think we can all relate to. <laughs> I love that little retail detail. therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in 1943 and she's sent to the U.S. on a speaking tour, speaking up for the Palestinian people. And while she was a famous writer, her speeches did not go as well. And many saw her as anti-Semitic. So politics weren't necessarily her thing and she didn't love it. Wait, didn't she do anti-Nazi stuff and then she still... Yeah, but people still saw her as anti-Semitic. She's speaking up for the Palestinian people. They saw conflicting interests. Her speeches did not go well with the U.S. people. Politics didn't end up being her thing. Yeah, also for, I mean, I hate to say it, but like in the U.S.? Yeah, which is weird. bad that she's being anti-Semitic as we historically we've had which issues is, with uh, huh. anti-semitism many saw her as that so she was like wow. all right this wasn't my thing i did my duty but i'm going to go back to traveling so she does that but then interesting little thing she moves back to italy she gets married in 1947 to a historian and diplomat through her work in the war named Stuart oh. Perryman. she's 54 so another late bloomer trailblazer moment but red unfortunately This marriage was not what she was anticipating. He wanted to keep a quiet life in England and didn't want to travel. And she, obviously, that's in her DNA. That's in her blood. That's what she does. She's an explorer. She's an adventurer. She didn't do any traveling. And they had very different interests. But there was an even bigger problem, Red, because he was gay. And everyone knew it, except for her. Oh. Yeah. That will definitely That be will do thing. it. Yeah. And I was they, like, you can kind of, like, go yeah. and explore on your own and come back and have... But if you come home and he's... <laughs> again, if you don't 
want to have that kind of marriage where people are allowed to like an open marriage then that's going to be a bit of a problem big problem for them so that didn't work out and so she doesn't get divorced though they get estranged five years later at age 59 and she keeps her last name stark which i love good for her so she goes and she has further adventures in turkey and the surrounding countries She makes a final trip to Afghanistan when she was 75. She's made a dame of the British Empire at age 77. And she traveled until she was 93, visiting a lot of uh, Iran, revisiting the route taken by Alexander the Great's army, going to remote spots in Afghanistan. Uh, In her 80s and 90s, she, you know, stuck to Europe, escorting her many grandchildren in their travels. You know, she passed on the travel bug to them. And she wrote until her death in 1993 at age 100, which, read again, how crazy is it that she made it to 1993 to age 100 when she's constantly either sick in danger uh you know (laughs) rebelling like the product of two first cousins genetically speaking like i said how she made it to 100 is amazing i was just thinking how when you were saying like she was still traveling at like 95 yeah i was like most people would probably be like oh my god we're worried about her doing that i think her family was probably like oh yeah she's been through everything yeah uh she'll be (laughs) fine she's literally experienced it all so um, oh. And she passed away while traveling or was she? Like- no, she was done by that point. She traveled until she was 93. So those last seven years, she's she's writing. She did an autobiography, some collections of essays and letters she had written. Yeah, 93, age 100. Uh, yeah. With all the stuff that happened to her and in her life, for her to then make it to being able to quietly pass away at home at 100... Of, like amazing what like, a legend how have I, I never heard of her i don't know and like her biggest contribution is she observed and documented change paved roads new states traditions of all classes cultures her books were filled with descriptive passages and she got people to open up and the world heard about these places for the first time from her and their experience and traditions and what i love about her most is just her complete disregard for danger how she always got out of things. And I want to end with this quote of hers that I love, and we should all strive to live this way, is one has to resign oneself to being a nuisance if one wants to get anything done. (laughs) So Freya Stark, I love that for you. How have we not heard of her? We're both women who love to travel and write. How have we not heard about her? Glad I found her because I was looking for people who kind of embody all the things I want to be and and all the things she's accomplished. And I found her. And man, there's so many books she's published and adventures and places she set foot. And now I just want to be her. (laughs) She's my hero. I love her so much. And everybody look her up because more people need to know about her. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do a little, uh, do we love this or that? Ah, actually, I have a few travel related because I did have that at top of mind because we were talking about goals for this year. And you did tell me that there was something with travel related. So I figured I'd pull some questions. Perfect. Actually, one of my questions is perfect for exactly what we're talking about. So do we love having an epic trip where lots of things go wrong (laughs) 
<laughs> or a boring trip where nothing goes wrong? What do we prefer? That's a great question. I, epic trip where lots of things go wrong because you live for the story, right? And you don't live for the boring. Like whenever you come back from a trip, sure you want to hear about how nice it is. But like I said with Bora Bora, like we, there was a lot of rain and we crashed into a tiki hut on the thing. And you know, like (laughs) just all the things that go wrong you want to talk about and people want to know about versus all the things that go right. It's just much more interesting. And that's how you, you know, if everything goes like as you plan, it's uh, like almost like where it's like, oh yeah, we went there and saw this and yeah. trying to describe it and it's just like you know the scene you can't really describe some of the scenes whereas you can describe when something goes horribly awry and then how epic is it when you get out of that and you find another way and I remember like for example I have a great story of doing a pub crawl well kind of pub crawl in Venice and learning the hard way that some of the archways just drop right into the water oh that's um, right <laughs> <and> <laughs> I remember that. Turn too quickly, and you might almost no. go in. So, <laughs> but then, like having people help and like hold you back real quick, oh, and yeah, and it gets the attention of some cute Italian men. And yeah, it's a great like an epic trip where things go wrong is totally. That's fine. a life worth living. Yeah, hundred um, Well, also, do we love having our trips planned to the minute? Or not having anything planned at all? Oh, you know my answer. <laughs> we showed up to Bora Bora with no plan at all. <laughs> Basically everywhere we go, no plan at all. And some people panic at that idea, but I think that's when you get stressed and you need a vacation from your vacation is when you have every minute plan. And inevitably, if it's a good trip, things will go wrong. And then you're going to be stressed that you're off your schedule. So I just like showing up. I mean, if there is a thing that you're supposed to book months in advance for, like, a fancy right. restaurant or whatever, sure, I'll get ahead or of that. experience, but, like, yes. if I have to choose between the two, I'm also going to go with not anything planned because, again, it's it, if you plan everything to the minute and you have to do all of that, it's like, okay, and then at 8.01, we will inhale, and then at 8.01, <laughs> 30 seconds, we will exhale. It's like, why am I holding my breath for 30 seconds? Like, right. why are we this? Yeah. Like, yeah. that, as much as I can be a little bit type a at times as you know uh there i i like experiencing travel as just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and see where things take you more so yeah. than having like anthony everything. bourdain or like freya yeah Those poor freya people. she did not plan a lot of those she did things, not plan a lot like of that this. definitely helped her <laughs> yeah it did <laughs> okay so do we love either traveling first class everywhere but only stay in two-star hotels or staying in five-star hotels but fly in the middle seat in economy every time you fly. <laughs> that is literally what I did on the way to Bora Bora. <laughs> <laughs> middle seat in economy. Very cramped. And then I kind of did do that. Like, we stayed for a couple, or a night, actually. I felt like it was more than that because it was amazing. But we stayed in our fancy overwater bungalow. Um, so, yeah, I guess I lived that and I would do that all over again. So, middle seat, yeah. economy, five star. Yeah. What about you? I am same. This is one of the first times I think we've been the same on everything. I know. We so got to have a different one. Come on, Red. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> okay, uh, good. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, because I, I the traveling part, that's kind of like the adventure. It's like, I know they say, like, it's not about the destination, but sometimes right. it is. It um, sometimes is. Yeah. Because vacation 
international, so it's like if you're staying at like this really cool place, you know. And again, as women, we kind of have to think about safety and stuff like yep. that. Not that there isn't still danger at five star versus two star, but right. I will say, like, I'd much rather enjoy what's there. And also, as somebody who's been stuck in the middle seat plenty of times, like you get some funny stories out of it, depending on who you're sitting next to. Yes, you do. So, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever actually flown first class, so maybe I'm also blissfully ignorant on what I'm going on. We will, though, when we're going then, on our podcast tour. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, this one. Do we love traveling with friends, family, or our significant others? Ooh. You can only pick one. I've done all three, as everybody yeah. Um Well, I guess, yeah, I guess, oh, it's tough. Significant other, I guess, is, you know, yeah. the phase I'm in, just coming off the honeymoon. It's just nice to have that romantic partner yeah. with you to experience, like, a beautiful sunset, you know, uh, overlooking the ocean together and, you know, have an intimate moment because that's what travel hopefully inspires and reinvigorates you and to have a lover with you is the best I think a lover oh I love a lover a lover Red. <laughs> what about you um well I mean right now my significant other would be Caboose and yes. he hates traveling so <laughs> he's definitely out and I do love traveling with my family um my parents are a good time um in particular uh one time my mom and I crashed a wedding together. Um, <laughs> what? And yeah, we managed to get bar, or it was open bar, so we managed to grab drinks uh, without anyone being the wiser. Um, <laughs> and people even made like conversation with us. What? Um, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Where were you? We were up in Santa Barbara, actually. Oh, that's so and funny. It was this really <laughs> nice wedding. And we, uh, mom was like, Red, this is the first time I'm ever going to tell you this. Pull your dress down a little bit more for the cleavage. They won't notice you. They don't know your face. Um, I love your mom. I love her. Yeah. And then uh, also they were like, oh, so how do you know the bride? And thank God they had a slideshow going on. And I was like, oh, we went to NYU together. Yeah, this is my professor, actually. We were just catching up. And I can't, like, we're so happy for them. My mom was like, how the fuck did you come up with that? Make observations. But as much as I love that, I actually prefer going with my friends because yeah. I've done a few. Oh, I mean, let's. We could talk about the New Orleans trip. Oh, uh, yeah. We, like, Hello. We still have to get like that travel gang together. We again. do. We should make it a yearly thing. It's coming up. But that's what we talked about. We so, got to do it next month. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I've traveled also with other friends of mine as well. And. I love the stories that came out of that because a lot of my friends are very much yes and people. Poor Kieran, poor Sherry. I have dragged you guys <laughs> all over the place and they're just always game. Oh my God, poor Sherry uh, in Vegas. This is my life now. She'll understand what that joke is. You don't have time to have that. You in have the to video. tell me that later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a good one. Like we had, like we had the same night, but just had two very different experiences. Like I had everything go right, and she had everything go wrong, to the point where I was like about to kiss this guy in the middle of a dance floor with a band playing near us and smoke having risen all around us. 
Sherry, meanwhile, was in the middle of the smoke, almost getting hit by the instrument with a cup on her foot, and... (laughs) (laughs) We were just like... It was like, we could not have had, like, less of a similar experience. Like, mine was this big epic night, and she was having the worst time, and it was, like, my birthday weekend, so she was trying to be supportive, but she was like, I want to go home. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, But, like, she didn't complain, like, because that's a thing. And we still say to this day because she just couldn't get this cup off her foot. And she was just like, this is my life now. Um, <laughs> and so to this day, when something goes wrong and it just like, you just accept it and go, this is my life. This now. is my life now. I love that. Let's all live like Sherry. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, yes, and. Yes, oh, well. and. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Um, do we love either traveling only within our own country or somewhere or only internationally? I have been to fortunate enough to be to many of the U.S. states. I think 37 of them or something. So I am now on to going to more international locations is my new thing. But it would be nice to get to all 50. I want to go to Alaska really bad. So not ruling that out. What about you? So I'm in a conundrum here because I am technically (laughs) international right now. You are international. Provinces? (laughs) Right. So it's provinces, but also it's like, well, I don't really know much about what's around here and so does that count as international or is this my country now i guess that's your country that like provinces are your new states except they're really large (laughs) so it's not as easy to get to (laughs) no yeah but also because i have seen a lot of the u.s too thankfully i've been fortunate but i barely know anything of canada i've only been to ontario and not even that much of Ontario, really just Toronto. So, yeah, like, I, there's a, I feel like... Let's I go to know. Newfoundland together, right? I'm gonna <laughs> We're going to go to oh, Newfoundland I, and Montreal. But <laughs> I think I'm actually going to go within our own country. Because, again, this is a brand new country. Right. I get that. So, no, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, I would love to go internationally. But right now, all I want to do is explore where I'm at. Because I am in a whole... Well, not new, but new for, you know, as yeah, an adult. Yeah, it's new. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Great, listeners. Thank you. And rate, review, subscribe, and, and follow the Facebook page, for the love of God, so I don't have to ask And all have safe travels. Do not safe be travels. inspired by Freya, but Freya. do not live as Freya, the mishaps like she did. The mishaps. Um, but live avoid a, those. a life of adventure like her. Just avoid exactly. the dysentery and the measles and the typhoid exactly. and the malaria. We love that for her, not love the that for her. Yeah. other things that happened. But no. it did help. I will say that she did all these things in spite of the goals in her way. And <laughs> Good what way a powerful it. person to be able to do that. <laughs> I love her so much. Everybody look her up and yes. give her some credit. We gotta we gotta write her in a history book. She is a badass. Love her. Right? Let's all live like Freya. Thanks, listeners. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love, and if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.